0: Managing your FBA Amazon inventory is increasingly difficult. Today, I talked to an expert on inventory management. Chelsea Cohen will be joining me, and she is the owner of SoStock.com, which is an inventory software to solve lots of problems. We're going to dive right in and first talk about SKU limitations. Welcome to the My Amazon Guy podcast. Thanks for coming on, Chelsea.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Well, uh, everybody, it's on everybody's mind, right? Like skew limitations. So before we even talk about who you are and why you're here, we're gonna jump right in the mean potatoes because I know that's what everybody wants to hear. So how do you solve for inventory skew limitations with your inventory software?
1: Uh-huh. Okay, cool. So um, so a couple of things. One is that there's obviously your your limit, right? And you Amazon actually gives you the data on what your limit is. They give you the data on what your max ship quantity is. Most people usually find it when they try to put in an order and they can't send in as much as they want. And I want to send in ha-
0: a thousand quantity. Amazon will only let yeah. me send in 500. What the heck?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So um, one of the things that happened as soon as this limitation was announced, we knew that we had to see if there was a solution that we could pull from the Amazon API And when you look at the documentation, it is not available. It doesn't look like Amazon's API kicks that data over. So uh, we started digging and we actually found that they do send us the the data, but they don't, they don't have it documented. So we were able to pull that That's, data. Amazon
0: never does that. They never don't trend <laughs> non-transparency. They're the most transparent company ever. They would never yeah. do this.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, so we we're able to pull that data and, uh, we have a, you know, everyone, most people had to put their third party warehousing in place. So a lot of, uh, a lot of what we were doing in that is not just order forecasting, but transfer forecasting. And we have, we use what's called uh, min-max restocking. So you can say, I'm going to restock every week or every two weeks, but then you can also say, I'm going to restock based on these parameters. I'm going to set a minimum or a, you know, buffer or safety stock. And then I'm going to set a maximum of say 90 days. And of course, at this time, you know, people won't necessarily be able to, to send in 90 days worth of inventory. So the maximum then is the number that we pull in from Amazon, your max ship quantity. And so the structure is that we're going to be telling you to transfer up to the max the your max limit and then sell through to whatever your buffer stock is, say it's 30 days, and then send in again to max out and then sell through to 30. And so that's essentially Actually, the transfer, this transfer schedule that you have set is the parameters from your buffer stock to your uh, max ship quantity.
0: And I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Give me your, your wizard hat of prediction. Do you think Amazon is going to remove the SKU limitation soon?
1: Yeah, I personally, uh, I personally, until uh, this morning, actually, I was pretty dead set on them not removing it them slowly, incrementally creeping it up, but uh, was connected with Brandon Young and he seemed pretty confident that they will be removing it. And, and who, next-
0: who is Brandon Young?
1: So Brandon Young, he runs Inner Circle. He has uh, training courses and uh, teaches on the subject of Amazon. A lot of people look to him as uh, someone who you know knows some things about Amazon.
0: Okay, got it. So, so he, he has a feeling The are by the way, I was on record guessing January 15th, uh, back in November. So I got it wrong. Uh, uh-huh. And, and now that we're like getting farther past my own prediction date, I, I'm actually a little bearish on it. I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to keep it around a while. Uh, yeah. I thought,
1: I, that's how I've been really. Yeah.
0: Like I, I looked at, uh, you know, January is their month of maintenance and I was like, Oh, they'll catch up. And then, and then we're like, we're like seeing like LTL shipments like take 30 freaking days to check in right now. Is that what you're seeing too or?
1: Yeah, yeah. And we'll see, you know, sellers will have their inventory basically just parked and it's, you know, available. You know, we had that recently. We we have conversations inside of uh, our user Facebook group and, you know, people will, are seeing that it's marked as available. They've got, you know, 800 units available or whatever it is, but it's not available. It's their their listing is still inactive and they can't send anything in. They can't even remove it. You know, someone, one of our users tried to create a removal order and got a message that it wasn't possible to even so, create a removal order.
0: Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Was it a big removal order?
1: He won. It was 800 units. Okay. Yeah.
0: That is pretty sizable. Um, yeah. but I, I have not experienced that. That that's the first I even heard that somebody had a problem doing a removal order. So so from from the data and the kind of I don't know the and I'm not sure what word I'm looking for, but the stories, the stories that you're hearing right now, uh, are, are you, do you think Amazon's system is still overwhelmed?
1: Yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> that was an still, easy yes. <laughs> yeah, it's still taking time to check in. I personally, you know, the I personally would not be surprised if Amazon doesn't completely get rid of their their limits. I think Amazon is really. They're they're not wanting to be a storage facility. They're wanting to be a distribution facility. They want to distribute. They want to receive your products. They want to distribute. I think that's one of the reasons that they're really getting into focusing on IPI limits. I mean, before 2020, how many of us even paid attention or knew what uh, the IPI score was? Exactly. Yeah. So I do think that they're moving in the direction of trying to, you know, signaling that they want to kick us out. They want us to have our own 30 party warehouses. And it's just very smart to have that as a backup plan.
0: So I'm an Amazon seller too. I sell wine glasses funny with funny sayings. I, I, my claim to fame is I'm the number one funny wine glass seller on Amazon. Uh, and uh, by the way, uh, this was the first month ever I was above an IPI score of 500. Wow. So, so like uh, I'm in the weeds with uh, with you, Amazon sellers listening to this. I understand what it's like to have storage and SKU limitations. Not fun. Um, yeah. all right, so, I, I think it's bears worth emphasizing the comment you made about Amazon wanting to be a distribution center, not a storage facility. I yeah. like when you said that. I was like, oh my gosh, like you're right, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I don't know if you made that up or if you heard that from somebody else that was smart, but that was spot on. <laughs> cool. And and uh, I'm going to think a lot about that following this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so uh, all right. So let's introduce you more officially. I like I, I like I liked doing what we did because it helped uh, set the st- stage that you know what you're talking about. So now, tell us tell us who you are and and what you do.
1: Cool. Yeah. So I, my name is Chelsea Cohen. I have been an Amazon seller since 2014, and in 2018. I realized that the big squeeze on my profitability had a lot to do with logistics and with inventory management. And there were just mistakes that that I was making, stocking out, ordering too much. And if I was really going to increase my profitability, I was going to get good at inventory management. So I dove headfirst into that, tried a couple of different softwares. They didn't seem to make sense or work very well in my mind. So I started asking around to the, my masterminds what are you using and the answer kept coming back we've tried everything nothing works we're using spreadsheets tell us if you find anything so i saw by, by the way that's
0: that's what i hear too
1: yeah yeah it's still it's funny cuz that was the same conversation that was happening in 2018 we're in 2021 and that's the the conversation that is occurring so obviously software companies have were doing something wrong and that was what was so interesting to me i decided okay well there's an opportunity here i i'm pretty much sure i know how i want to build this thing out i just need to find someone to do it with
0: so was it was it that they're doing it wrong or insufficient right like like were they were they sending the wrong like shipping too much too little or was it just like insufficient for taking in criteria uh
1: yeah so the software is just some of them would have an algorithm that you didn't really know what was behind the numbers. And I'm a numbers person. Yeah, yeah, you don't really know what's going on. So you're just told, here's what you should do. And really, there's not a lot of customization. You know, if you're doing a marketing campaign, if, you know, Prime Day is coming up, if you have a seasonal product, there were just a lot of holes in that system. And if you had a warehouse, they didn't account for your warehouse inventory. They would tell you to order, even if you had 10,000 units sitting in a warehouse. So there are just a lot of holes in the process. And then there were secret formulas or algorithms that you were not smart enough to know.
0: So, you know? so I think this next question, I'm going to set this question up to a little bit. So yeah. Uh, a lot of people are doing spreadsheets right now, right? And mm-hmm. and I bet you after the IPI and the SKU limitations question, this is gonna be the second most thing on their mind, right? Like they, they're super frustrated, like, man, I gotta figure out how to manage this. So so if you're in spreadsheets today, how do you know to upgrade to a software? Like, where is the line in the sand to mm-hmm. figure this out?
1: Yeah. Um, I think once things get a little bit Unwieldy when you have more when you have more SKUs than you can really easily and comfortably do in a spreadsheet, or when you're finding that you're not you're you're stocking out. It's I think a portion of it's not really understanding the principles of inventory management, and then a portion of it is that it takes so long. That was what was happening to me. It was taking so long. It t- took up so much of my time. I needed to free up my time. So if you need to free up your time, that would be one of those systems that you would need to start looking at investing in. Um, and, it, and beyond it taking so long, because it took so long, I would procrastinate and then I, it would be too late and I would should have ordered say a, a week ago. All
0: right. So, so you mentioned uh, kind of, it's kind of on brand for you to be transparent. So, Um, I'll tell you how I I would do inventory management in a spreadsheet today, and then I'm going to let you criticize why the way I'm doing it, it's insufficient, all right? So so I uh, would take my last 30-day run rate, I would Uh times it by two, and then I would subtract whatever I currently have at Amazon. So let's say, just to make numbers really easy, I've sold 100 units in the last 30 days, and then I have 100 units at Amazon. The mm-hmm. so 100 times two is 200 minus the 100 that's currently there. And so my spreadsheet would say, ship in 100. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, that this is assuming I'm going to do this every two weeks. So whatever my current numbers are, it'll take into account inbound what's present at Amazon and, yeah. and just keep rotating through it. So tell me what I'm f- not factoring in and what that could cause.
1: Yeah um yeah so you know one of the principles that we have at so stocked is that you need to start using an adjusted velocity especially as you get more skus. so if you had stocked out you know say you've got you know 40 skus, that the the basics of what you're talking about could work if you had not stocked out, if you had not, you know, had a sales spike that wasn't going to repeat itself, you know, say some influencer mentioned you, uh, and there, you know, you had a great sales day that starts throwing off the, the averages, or it starts throwing off the, the accuracy of the data, right? You want to make sure that you're, you are applying, you know, these, these, these rules to, something that's actually going to repeat itself. So if a stock out, if you don't want to repeat a stock out, then you need to be filtering. We What we do is called a daily adjusted velocity. And so daily adjusted velocity is looking at your that your time period. So if you if 30 days is what you're using, looking at the past 30 days and looking and seeing if there is are were any sales uh any stockouts. So if you were stocked out of one of the products for 10 of those 30 days, it's going to take an average of the 20 days you were in stock. Otherwise, you're setting yourself up to repeat a stock out because you don't have the actual true velocity.
0: Okay, so daily daily uh, inventory level velocity, that's important.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so, I assume that's part of the seasonality question. Um, does does your does so stock allow for like last year number historicals, stuff like that?
1: Yes, yeah, you can switch from looking at last thirty days to looking at last year, you know what did I do last year and it'll plug in exactly the every day what your sales were each day. And if you did have a stock out, it'll take an average of what you would have sold if you hadn't stocked out.
0: Got it. Okay. You mentioned that there were some principles of inventory management.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Walk me through that. What are the principles of inventory management?
1: Yeah. So inventory management um, best practices. I mean, we've got, you know, the, the daily adjusted velocity, which we just talked about. Another good rule of thumb is to have a, a buffer stock, right? That's uh you're not, you're not, you're not planning on, sending your inventory in before you run out, you're planning on sending it in before you start eating up your buffer stock. That way, if anything goes wrong, you have that little cushion. It's kind of like the, the extra gas in the gas tank, your, your empty light comes on and warns you you're running out of gas, but you're not about to, you know, to, to be stopped on the side of the road. You can actually get to the gas station and fill up your tank so that's what i hate
0: when my wife you know she'd be like you know saturday night she parked the car Uh leaves it on an empty tick. we got to go to church the next day and i get in the van i'm like come on come on (laughs) don't be that don't be uh i'm putting my wife on the spot she's gonna she's gonna elbow me later don't be my wife when it comes to inventory management all right (laughs) don't be don't be doing that
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. So buffer stock, you know, and that's, you know, sometimes when your cash flow is tight, you like to push it a bit, but then, you know, what if something does go wrong? There's two reasons why why buffers. Actually, there's there's a couple of reasons, but we'll just talk about it. um the two reasons, the most importantly, the reason for buffer stock is you know if anything goes wrong you still have that extra cushion you don't run out you know if you get stuck in customs if you're shipping from china and then there's a hurricane off the coast of of china if your supplier can't or your freight forwarder can't find an available container which is something that's happening more commonly right now all of those things you have that extra cushion the other factor for private label where ranking is everything right we know stocking out causes you know can can cause your ranking to uh, to decline the and then the other factor in terms of stocking out with Amazon now is your restock limits will drop unless you're supplementing with uh, FBM sh- uh, sales. So the the thing that you want to also include into the buffer stock is not to have your buffer stock too low. You want to have enough dispersal throughout the country. So that's a factor that people don't keep in mind is that Amazon, is we we have sellers who get one day prime badges and they'll see their one day prime badges uh go away when they have too little dispersal.
0: that hurts your conversion rates guys
1: yeah exactly that as well as the um potentially you know this idea of geo ranking where if you you know say for example you don't have enough inventory in the midwest you may start to lose a little bit of ranking. You may lose a bid uh, on an ad. Your ads might start going to your competitor because you ha- he has more inventory and you can't hit the two-day in that specific area. So it's something to kind of keep in mind that could be happening in the background. We don't really know exactly what Amazon's algorithm is, but there are conversations around the possibility of that happening.
0: Even Amazon doesn't know what its algorithm is. Um, (laughs) So, all right. right. So I've never once in 160 guest interviews ever talked about geolocation impacts of selling on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have rarely spoken about this even in private. So you you've hit a topic that interests me greatly. Do you have any wisdom, any speculations on that subject?
1: Uh-huh. On on geo ranking and geo location. I mean, there there's not I don't know that anyone really knows what is exactly going on. But
0: but you um, you're suspicious though, is what you're saying. Yes.
1: I do I do feel like there is, you know, especially if Amazon can't get, you know, the 2-day prime, they've had to find ways to avoid you know the negative reviews, the negative feedback keep people happy. So, you know, since they're very customer centric, I could imagine them to to say, okay, well, something is doing better. You know, something has more inventory in this area. We would rather hit the two day prime because that's Amazon's promise. Amazon doesn't promise anything about your products, right? They promise right. that they'll, they'll give the money back if you know your product sucks, but they are trying to fulfill their promises. So they would rather be able to hit what they promise than, than to give you, you know, than to, to give you the money. So they, there is a potential of them pushing you down the ranking. If you, you know, if they can't meet meet that, uh, meet that uh, deadline.
0: So, we know that Amazon is trying to do what's in the best interests of the customer, not in the best interests of the seller. And so they, they do things like that. So if they can, you know, deliver that item quicker, wherever that item's located, it makes perfect sense. Okay. Um, So this next segment is a little bit more broader. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to just ask you, you've been an Amazon seller. What is something that somebody could do today Mm -hmm. um, in say an hour yeah. to improve their sales on Amazon. And you can, you can talk about inventory if you want, or you can go broader and just say, here's a cool hack I heard today.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm an Amazon seller. One of the things that, that I didn't realize I was doing well, uh, until I started getting into masterminds was copywriting. I have a background as a writer. And so I actually, you know, do copywriting for other sellers. Be you know, I have an agency, um, we, we are trying
0: to hire a copywriter right now. Please send them my fantastic. way.
1: Yes. <laughs> so we, yeah, so we have an agency and um, and it all started from just me talking to other sellers about what we were doing. And so I have a complete philosophy on Amazon copywriting. I feel that, that most Amazon copywriters or most copywriters that write copy for Amazon and for Amazon sellers are trying to capitalize on the movement of of entrepreneurship on Amazon, but really don't know what it takes to actually write copy for Amazon, for Amazon listings. And it all comes down to really understanding what the pattern is for a buyer. And, and the pattern is essentially the buyer wants the product. They came to a buying website, they, they typed in the keyword, and now their first question is, which one do I buy? And they're looking at the negative reviews. And so you need to answer that question in the first few words of your first bullet point uh, to actually say something that they, are, that they care about. So answering that question that they're already having in their head opens up a dialogue rather than a monologue of mine is better and trying to you know, blast them with all of the reasons why yours is better, you're actually opening up the conversation and saying, unlike other products that bend, break and rust, ours has a unique composite design that was built with this type of material, so it's better and you immediately handle their objection you find this data in the negative reviews you figure out what people are complaining about from your competitors and then you basically you know somewhat uh, call your competitor out without being so bold as to say their name because you're not allowed to use brand names and you don't want to put a target on your back but you're using those negative reviews and you're starting to come into a conversation with the the buyer.
0: Great tip. Uh, whenever I do coaching calls, this is this is usually one of my first go to on product research conversations, mm-hmm. as well as listing optimization. So very, very great, strong tip. Very much mm-hmm. appreciate it. Okay. All right, let's talk. Let's talk mistakes. Yeah. Um, what is a mistake that you've experienced or mm-hmm. s- you've seen somebody do, um, and what was the impact of it, and what did everybody learn from it?
1: Yeah. So. Um common mistakes in and, and we'll, you know, kind of take it uh, into marketing as well as inventory. Uh, You know, one of the things in the copywriting uh, agency, we've written emails for say lightning deals or, you know, promotions for, you know, mother's day, father's day. And a common mistake that really hurts the ability to scale is not taking your marketing plans and plugging them into your inventory plans. And, so when you we understand the concept of, you know, how much money we're losing when we stock out, we understand the concept of how much money it costs us to re-rank uh, and all of those, you know, aftermath of, of stock out issues and and the cost involved. And if we are air, air freighting, the additional cost for air freighting, um, the, the thing that people don't really wrap their head around or don't even think about or aren't talking about is the amount of money you lost paying your way into a stock out. So turning on a PPC ad and it running you into a stock out, you know, doing that 20% off coupon on mother's day, stocking out on father's day, uh, paying for lightning deals into a stock out, all of those costs, you, you're discounting your product, you're paying Amazon, uh, for ad spend. You, you know, all of these things are also part of the, the loss that you are, incurring rather than selling full price. So not being inventory minded when you're marketing.
0: I, I've i seen a lot of times where we get hired as an agency at my Amazon guy and we're like, Hey, we're about to blow up your sales.
1: Mm-hmm. Are you ready for that? Yeah. Uh,
0: if and it's a good problem to have, right? Like stocking out is a great problem to have. Still yeah. a problem. Yeah. But, but uh, uh, it's avoidable. Uh huh. And, and so, Hey, uh, you know, our normal run rates, a hundred units a month, but uh, we're going to hire these marketing guys and they tell us we can do a thousand a month. I don't really believe them, but what if it's true?
1: Uh Yeah.
0: (laughs) What will happen next?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So, so you need to be prepared for that. And so there's, you know, first your marketing team sending data to your inventory team, your inventory team should plug that in and say, you know, all of these SKUs are good to go with that current plan. These two SKUs, you can't be that aggressive. You need to back it up. We're going to be back in stock at this time. And we'll plan our future order to increase those sales. And so that's kind of the start of getting the marketing team and the inventory team more coordinated.
0: All right, cool. So uh, last question for you today. What? What's, uh, what do you find passion and in, in like, why did you make this tool and why, why, uh, why has Amazon become a career for you? Like what, what drove yeah. you?
1: Um, yeah, for, for me in terms of, of developing so stocked and I was really thinking about that, you know, clubhouse is a big thing. And, you know, was in one of those rooms where they talk about purpose and it was, you know, this idea of, okay, making sure people don't stock out and all of that, but really, I feel like there's a lot of people who are losing a lot of money that they don't realize they're losing, or maybe they do. Um, and I think that it's been very hard for people to scale because of all of the death by paper cuts that's going on. And so really, you know, stocking handling, stocking out and handling, you know, streamlining inventory was one step. And then the, there's the other places that we're losing money, you know, the, warehousing fees and you know are you optimizing your logistics are you optimizing your shipping and so really my goal and my purpose in I mean originally creating my Amazon business I just wanted to get out of the nine to five I love entrepreneurs I love helping entrepreneurs and so in doing you know and working in my copywriting business and working with SoStock I get to help entrepreneurs and talk to entrepreneurs and you know it could be a huge difference in terms of you know the bottom line so when I hear my, our users come back and we had one user who went from spending $1.20 per unit with consistent air shipping to now being able to be organized enough to do ocean shipping and her cost going down to 45 to 55 cents, the amount of impact that that can have on a business could mean the difference between going out of business or having financial freedom.
0: Raise your prices is always the right answer, guys. Those (laughs) margins always raise your prices. All right, Chelsea, thanks so much for coming on the the podcast today. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that?
1: Yeah, so uh, you can find me at uh, sostocked.com. You can reach out to us there. Uh, You can also just email me at chelsea at sostocked.com and uh, find me on Facebook as well.
0: Cool, well, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure talking with you. Definitely gonna have a few comments asking questions. We'll send you a link so you can answer those Um, on the video on YouTube. And -hmm. thanks so much for for joining us on the My Amazon Guy podcast. Hit that subscribe button, guys, and tell somebody or share this with somebody who might find value in it.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: This was the My Amazon Guy podcast with Stephen Pope. Each episode helps you grow your sales on Amazon through ideas on traffic and conversion rate improvements. Hit that subscribe button right now to tune in each week. And if you need more help, go to myamazonguy.com and the video you should watch next on YouTube, How to Make an LTL Shipment. Click that video next.